Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Learn With Less, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Learn With Less is to provide confidence to new parents that you can support and connect with your baby or toddler without having to buy a single toy. This episode was recorded with a live audience of parents and caregivers as an added benefit of those participating in the Learn With Less curriculum online program. If you'd like to learn more about learning with less or about my best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby or Understanding Your Toddler, open a new tab in your browser to my website, learnwithless.com. If you enjoy this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us to reach more families and share our values of education, inclusivity, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yellet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we've got a special guest on the Learn With Less podcast. Her name is Sarah Reppenhagen. She's a pediatric occupational therapist and the founder of Gather and Grow. Let's welcome her to the show. Hello to Sarah, hello to Sarah, hello, 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 hello to all our old friends, hello to all our new friends, hello, 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 one last time, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today, hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Reppenhagen, a pediatric occupational therapist and the founder of Gather and Grow, which is a pediatric practice supporting infants through preschool-aged children and their families, and it's located in Portland, Oregon. Sarah's passions lie in supporting development from the start at a time when young brains are growing immensely and adults are evolving in their roles as parents. Sarah believes that children have innate capabilities and the desire to engage with the people and environment around them, while parents have an intrinsic drive to connect with their child and nurture their growth. So fostering children's emerging skills as well as bolstering parent understanding during early development sets the stage for further learning and participation in life. And Sarah, I just, as you know, the work that both you and I are doing, it's so much about, you know, how do we get our children to do these things? How do we boost our children's development? How do we do this and that? 
And we also know that so much of it is about educating the parents. So I just love how you put that and the focus that you have on parent education. So I want to thank you for being here. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, parents are the most influential factor in their child's development. And so, yeah, bolstering their understanding and, you know, they are the experts in their children, but sometimes they get to have a little bit more support to um, fully, yeah, support their kids' development. Yeah, exactly. And I love how you say that because anytime someone like introduces me as a parenting expert, I cringe. It's like nail to the word because it's not us. We are not parenting experts. I have two kids. I hope to be the expert on my two kids, but they are constantly involving. But yeah, you're the only expert on your children. Exactly, exactly. So that's, that's what you're trying to get to, right? So, exactly. okay, I asked you to come onto the show today to speak to us about how to change your child's behavior and what that has to do with the term self-regulation. But first, I just would love to hear a bit more about you and how you got into the work that you're doing today. Yeah, so I have always been interested in child development for as long as I can remember. I just started out babysitting early on in life and uh, was always fascinated by kids, how kids really grow and develop into full-fledged humans. And so I you know, went to undergrad for child and family development and then pursued occupational therapy. And I've been practicing for, gosh, I think it's 14 years now and uh oh i've been in pediatrics the whole time kind of in a variety of different settings but uh, i've really focused in on on those early years um, through my work in early intervention and working in the neonatal intensive care unit working closely with families in that environment and uh yeah just the opportunity to really work with just the child um, but knowing that we're not just focusing on the discrete abilities that a child has it's really about supporting the whole unit which is which includes the family absolutely all right so let's talk about this term self-regulation how do you define it and why is it important to consider ways to support it in both parents and in children yeah so self-regulation is the way that we control our thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors. And it's really important um, to develop that skill and it develops over a lifetime. So we're born with, you know, some biology that supports that, uh, you know, including temperament and you know, our sensory processing abilities. But really the bulk of that development happens over the lifespan and even into adulthood, we are constantly working on our own self-regulation and our kids give us a perfect opportunity to continue that development. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, so yeah, kids, especially little ones, really rely um, on us to support their self-regulation and that term, um, supporting another person's self-regulation is, is called co-regulation. And it's really just this dynamic process of how one really influences the other. Yeah, but that self-regulation is just so key to resiliency, long-term health. It has predictive factors for educational success, career success relationships so relationships with our loved ones but also you know how our own kids the skills they're learning now will support them in their own marriages and they when they become if and when they become parents in the future um, yeah. so it's a pretty big deal a pretty important thing to support 
But in order to do that, we get to work on our own self-regulation. <laughs> There's yep. times we do it better than others, for sure. I know for myself, sometimes I got it down and other times I'm like, okay, I can't really co-regulate my kid if, I, um, if the wheels are falling off uh, in my own head. Yes. And thank you for saying that because I think all too often we hear like, don't yell at your kid. It's horrible for their kid. And I hope that that's not what people are taking away from this conversation, right? Of course, it's so important that we try as we can to regulate our own emotions. And that's hard. It <laughs> is hard really thing. hard. It's really a lot of it is just modeling, sometimes screwing up and going back and doing a repair and doing it differently next time. So they're really learning so much more from how we act versus what we say. And that is in some ways a relief as a parent because we don't always have to have the right answers and do it exactly perfectly. It's about an evolution and our own development as parents as we support our kids' development. So true. And actually in so doing, when we model that we're not perfect and that nobody is perfect, that's actually a great weight off of them in, yeah. in many ways. If we can take the opportunity to show them that, okay, I'm really sorry for yelling. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Here's a better way that I could do it next time. Now let's talk about what we need to do, which is to get our shoes on and get into the car, whatever it is. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which that just happened to me yesterday. Um, <laughs> and then just giving them that opportunity to show them how our actions impact ourselves and each other and that us noticing how we impact and how we notice that our actions impact each other. So, okay, I would love to hear more about how our kids' regulation and behavior is often a mirror of our own internal state. And when we were in discussion about having you come onto the show, you wrote something to me that really stood out. And I'm just going to read it here because I just think it's so right on. Um, you suggested that we talk about how the stories we tell ourselves about what our children's behavior means actually affects our ability to support them. So let's dig into this. Tell our listeners about what you mean by that. Yeah, so let's let's go back to the mirror part first and then Great. that will lead into the story part. So you know, on a biological level, we have these great brain cells called mirror neurons that allow us really to be great at co-regulating. And really what it does is allow us to be empathetic. So we have these mirror neurons at birth and they allow us to read somebody else's emotions from a primal level, really just to know if that person is a safe person or someone to, you know, be careful of. So, so kids, even early tiny little babies have this inborn ability to read our emotions as parents and oftentimes respond by mirroring how we are feeling and we have that ability to do the same for them so you know when a baby is crying we reach down and we pick them up and we look in their eyes and we comfort them and we console them we might you know our voice might drop down we might do some slow rocking movement we do all of these things to calm and soothe them and they adopt our emotional state so they mirror our emotional state Sometimes, you know, if we're in a frantic mood and, or sorry, frantically running around and there's a lot going on and we're distracted, we might not have the same capacity to do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> that baby oftentimes, or young child oftentimes can kind of read that we are disconnected and they might be acting out uh, a little bit more than they ordinarily would. And we also might have less capacity to soothe them in the moment. It might take a little bit longer or take more effort or be less successful. 
And the other cool thing is that when we are successful as parents in soothing and calming and meeting our kids' emotional needs, we get our own little like dopamine hit <laughs> that yeah. feels good. Like, hey, I'm effective. I'm doing this really well, which then improves our own self-regulation. And it's kind of just this ongoing cycle that can positively really reinforce the other. There's an right. interesting experiment that was done years ago, YouTube, a still face experiment. I'm not sure if you've seen this, but Basically, a baby. I have. I will do it in the show notes because that's great. Yeah, it is fascinating, and it just illustrates really how even at a very young age, children can pick up on the emotional state of the caregiver and you know mirror that emotional state. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I know they recently did, or there, there's been sort of replications of that where they did it with like a parent looking at their phone instead of just the oh, yeah. child, which of course also has implications about when we're distracted and looking mm -hmm. at our phones instead of engaging with our children, we're not able to co-regulate, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're often looking to us for um, help or attention or, you know, power or whatever it is. And when we're distracted, which of course we're going to be in moments, like this is the nature of our lives right now, but just to be more aware of what effect that has on our own children. So yeah, yeah. that's great. And I wanted to also, going back to like that mirroring, like that, um, the dopamine hit mm -hmm. of when we are effective, I had personally just a such a hard time in my second with with infancy because my second had silent reflux and mm -hmm. he was just so physically uncomfortable and until we sort of got it under control and figured out what was going on he was just inconsolable and I had never had that experience with my first because I always got that dopamine hit and I could yeah. see him in different ways so the implication of that for for parents who are dealing with a colicky baby or uh, medical issues of any kind and all ki and sensory issues when it's really hard to decrease the stimulation and, and really help your child to regulate himself or herself. Like it is so hard, but keep going and keep trying and get to the bottom of it. So yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, there are times when there is an underlying situation that is making regulation hard. You know, there's yes like skill bait, like maybe they don't have the skills yet developmentally, or maybe there's an underlying medical condition going on. Maybe they process sensory information differently and they can get easily overwhelmed. And so if some of these co-regulation strategies that we'll talk about, you're feeling like, man, this is not helping, I'm not feeling effective, then it might be a good idea to kind of look, dig a little deeper and see if there might be some other underlying reason for this and kind of get some extra help on board for your kid, but also for yourself, because it can be really hard, as you know, when you don't feel effective as a caregiver in consoling and soothing and co-regulating your child. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, this is so exciting. Um, we're going to take just a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to hear a few tips and strategies from Sarah about this very topic, about co-regulation, and then we'll hear about her favorite resources for parents and caregivers interested in learning more. Great. As a parent or caregiver of an infant and or a toddler, you want to make sure you're doing it right. But everywhere you look, there's another learning toy or fancy subscription box that you don't have room for and that your child seems to lose interest in all too quickly. 
You want to support your infant or toddler's learning, but you struggle finding the right toys or enough time and energy to do it. You just want the map to get through these first few years and find more joy in the journey as well. If any of this rings true for you, you're in the right place. Right now, I am giving away my free Infant and Toddler Development Blueprint, a straightforward guide that will help you discover the four major areas of development in the first three years of life and what's involved in each of those areas. Find out what you can do to support development using what you already have in your home. Learn how to follow my four-pillar framework to maximize the time you are already spending with your tiny human and much, much more. If you are ready to boost your infant or toddler's learning, stop feeling like you're winging it all the time, and simplify your life, head to learnwithless.com blueprint and download my free infant-toddler development blueprint today. Okay, Sarah, let's get into it. We would like to hear your top tips for parents and caregivers who are hoping to better support their infants and toddlers and themselves through co-regulation. Yeah, so you hit it right on the head. It's about, you know, supporting both regulations. So I would say first and foremost is put your oxygen mask on. Um, really take care of yourself um, because you're going to be really the most effective at supporting your child's regulation if you yourself are regulated. And nobody is regulated at all times. Like many times throughout the day, you will notice your own personal roller coaster. But you know, if there's practices that you have that allow you and that know that you know support your own self-regulation, then engage in those. So mindfulness, meditation, connecting with nature, you know, making sure that your biological needs are met. Have you, are you eating and sleeping and getting exercise? I mean, those are things that you're making sure that your child gets, but also make sure that you are getting those things as well. Yeah. And then, you know, really in terms of supporting your child is, there've been a lot of studies that really support and, and show that, you know, coming from a place of warmth and sensitivity has such a huge, tremendous impact on self-regulation. So again, it's not like necessarily, I mean, there's strategies that you can put in place, but it's your way of being and how you are showing up with your child that really best supports them and less about like the specific doing pieces. Mm. getting the background together, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then just looking at the environment, you know, are there things in the environment that may be creating stress for your child or for yourself? Those things might need to kind of be switched up depending on the day and your child's tolerance for that. Looking for those early signs of dysregulation, kind of going back to that technology piece. It's all a part, it's a part of all of our lives, as you said, but um, really looking at that having a potential impact on your ability to get those early cues of dysregulation. Sometimes we're distracted and then, like I said, the wheels are sort of falling off and, and things are, yeah, things are falling apart. But if you can catch those early cues, it's a much easier to support that regulation. And then just really hold space for your kids' big emotions. Like it's okay for them to feel those things. It's really an important part of their development. And it doesn't always mean that there's something that's wrong with them, you know? Sometimes we do make up those stories about what their behaviors mean. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them or that there's something wrong with you. It's just a natural part of how we operate as humans. It's one of the beautiful things that makes us human. Yeah. So allow for those big emotions and, and take note in yourself, like what's coming up for me when my kid is having a total tantrum? <laughs> Am I mirroring their emotion? Um, and what can I do to self-regulate in this moment so that I can best support them? And yeah. I was just going to say that I find that 
trying to understand the underlying sort of reason of why my little one, like what they actually need, what's the underlying need can be really helpful for me because it's, if, if it's like, okay, he needs more attention right now. He actually needs more connection with me. Or if he needs to feel power over, you know, where he's eating the food. I did an, I had an Instagram post recently about like my older one was heading off to camp and my, and we, I was packing a lunchbox and my younger one was like refusing to sit down at the table and eat his breakfast and was just pointing out the lunchbox and talking about the lunchbox. And I was like, okay, well here, I'll put some food in another lunchbox and he can stand and graze and eat his breakfast that way. And he did. Um, so figuring out what is the need and serving that need for both of you in a way that is acceptable to both of you. And sometimes yeah. it does take getting out of the, you know, looking outside of the box in many ways, but that's a great way to regulate our own emotions and figure out, you know, what's going on for my kid and how can I meet him where he is to, to figure out how we can both be happy. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's about like looking at that behavior as a way of communication versus, you know, creating a story or placing a judgment on what the behavior feels like or is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I think um, just generally having age expected, having age appropriate expectations for your kid. I think sometimes we forget that our kids are just still learning. And even if they've shown that they, you know, have developed done it once kind of right or done it really well once it doesn't mean that they always transfer that skill to another context or can do it the next day it takes like so many times it takes like thousands of hours to like learn to stand it takes thousands of hours to learn and reinforce this emotional development as well and like you said it's still happening for all of us <laughs> totally we are the, it so many factors you know are involved in how well we can do it like sleep and how fed we are and you know all of those things so okay that's awesome so what what are a few of your favorite resources um that you like sharing with families yeah i mean one of my favorite resources just for general development but that does touch on social emotional development is uh, pathways.org and they have a lot of really great free online resources for families I also, I know that you recently did an interview with Laura Markham. I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's got some great resources around, you know, emotional, social emotional regulation. So she is a really good support. I mean, there's so many amazing, you, right? There's so many amazing people out there that support parents. And, you know, I think it's finding those people that really speak to you and the way that you want to parent. Um, so there's not necessarily like one right and one specific um, person to follow or to act no. as your guide. It usually takes a village and a community. There right. is, um, if you want to learn a little bit more about this specific topic, um, I can send you a link, but Duke Center for Child and Family Policy has some really good resources to learn a little bit more about self-regulation in general and great, how we co-regulate co as parents. Yeah. And we'll link to the We'll do that in the show notes as well of this episode. That's awesome. Great. Um, Sarah, this has been so helpful. Um, thank you so much. And thank you to all of our Community Lab members who are here listening live. We'll continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session with you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or on the go, thanks so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. 
Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye, bigger kids. Goodbye to the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye, I yell it. Goodbye to this music. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts. Being here together. Thank you so much, everyone. The Learn With Less podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to download our free infant toddler development blueprint by heading to learnwithless.com blueprint today. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Learn With Less podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Learn With Less with a friend or colleague. See you next time.